Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 294 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we're talking about last weekend's races, including Middlekirka and Lilla. We do a little bit of trivia, have some wild theories about cyclocross in general and how the season played out, and um, and talk about the media, which is apropos since this is the media pit. As you may know, Cyclocross Radio is part of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, your home for independent cycling media. If you are not already a member of the network, head over to WideAnglePodium.com, hit the donate button, and uh, help support the shows you can pick which shows you wish your support to go to so be it slow ride podcast nowhere fast criterium nation grodio or your friends right here at cyclocross radio really easy to do wide angle podium Com. Also, in this, uh, you'll listen when you listen on. Uh, I, I ask for your input on some things we're discussing in this episode. Uh, you can get at us at feedback at cxhairs.com. Uh, if you want to hit Zach's inbox, the easiest way for that is uh, cxhairsbulletin at gmail.com. You can leave me a message on Instagram at cxhairs, not really on Twitter as much these days. Or subscribe to the to the Substack, CXR's Bulletin. And if you are a subscriber, then you're invited into the Slack channel that we have. And that's a good place to get in touch with your media pit hosts and also the, the greater CXR's Bulletin community. All right. We've got Michael and Zach. We're talking about Lilla and Middlekirk. It's the media pit. Episode... 294 and we're doing it right now we're back in the media pit we we got a couple of post worlds races to catch up on some good stuff to to chat about there uh but you know i i don't know like we got rid of the puns michael and i still feel like i just need to talk to you first about something and it just it just seems to be like uh, Michael goes on a ride corner. So, uh, w- w- what's up with the ride in New Orleans? Well, I, I got I got something for you. Uh, we had our last Bandit Cross race on Sunday, and you know, Bill, I, when I first got in cyclocross, I bought the Skills Drills and Belly Eight book, Belly Eggs book, and one section in there you talked about the start, and you said don't do a Le Mans start. If your local promoter is doing the Le Mans start, like go away, like like go start your own I, I series, the quote was like move. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's really bad. I want to say I never took that to heart, and I promoted a bunch of races with Le Mans starts, so whatever. It was it was fine. It was fun. Um, but the the, the band across race we did on Sunday did in fact have a Le Mans start. So I was out there in my Randall Cunningham jersey that i realized is about 30 30 30 years old um i raced in that and we were lined up for the start and i was in a three-point stance you know because i was a you know linebacker and, and, and when i played football and they say go and i'm running towards my bike and i'm not running i'm not sprinting that fast because i don't run i i I have plenty of time to get my bike and I'll, I'll pedal away or whatever. So I'm kind of like jogging 
here comes my friend sprints right past me and he's he goes past his bike and he goes right towards my bike and he picks up my bike and in my head I'm thinking what is he doing okay he's being funny he's gonna pick it up and he's gonna stop and he's gonna give it to me as I run past him I'll remount it'll be fine no he gets on my bike and he starts pedaling away as fast as he can and I sort of go from jog to sprint like holy shit there goes my bike and I'm thinking in my head I'm like do I grab him and just throw him off my bike but i'm like oh i don't want to like then my bike will hit the ground i'm also thinking about chris Froome at the tour running up uh (laughs) i forget what mountain stage it was and i'm like i have to go with my bike like i must chase my bike down like it i've run so far that i can't turn around and go grab his bike which is a mountain bike by the way and so eventually he the whole group rides away and he kind of like comes back and i'm like mother fucker and like he starts laughing he's like i'm just having fun man and he hands me my bike and i pedal off and the race starts and i chase really hard and uh yeah you know and i i catch everybody and you know i maybe i win the race you know i'm not gonna brag or like that but it was uh i felt like curtis white you know with the with the sort of the the handicap at the start and uh, that's my intro. I was thinking. I was thinking it's more like fam. Week, You're sort of doing a fam, you know. Missed a pedal at the start. True. Yes. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. Exactly it. So Lamont starts. Still iffy. <laughs> Never had that happen though. I mean, congrats to the Eagles winning something this weekend. Oh. I mean, I do have to say though, like choosing. <laughs> Choosing the Randall Cunningham jersey, uh, I mean, really one of one of the all-time great video game sports characters, Randall Cunningham in Tecmo Super Bowl, nearly unstoppable, both on uh, passing and with his running ability. So good choice. Uh, I approve. Right. That made sense. Like I was scrambling just like Randall Cunningham in the 90s. Yeah, it, exactly. was, it, was, it was, yeah. was perfect. Tecmo Super Bowl, one of my favorite players, the Eagles. I told, so it was my, after the race, I, I saw my friend and I said, I gave him a big F you. And then I was like, okay, whatever. We're, we're like, it's fine. Like, it's, it's no big deal. Like, th- whatever. And I said, well, I will say this, Kenneth, you did give me something to talk about on the podcast. So kudos to you. It's always <laughs> about the content, man. Content is king. Zach, I know you're still on the, uh, the IR, but what's, uh, what's going on in Chicago? Yeah, I, don't really have any good stories. I mean, one, it's been like 65. I know there's uh, some people from uh, Chicago who are out in like Arizona, and I'm kind of disappointed. Like, why are you? Why didn't you just come home to Chicago and train in our beautiful 65 degree weather uh, in February? But yeah, it's very much on the IR. I have a herniated disc in my back, having surgery on Tuesday, so I do not have any good stories like Michael does. All right, well. Good luck with that. Wishing you the best of a, a speedy recovery and complication-free surgery. Um, maybe we should just talk about some 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 cyclocross, some post-world cyclocross where the season continues. I guess, you know, this happens in every cycling discipline, right? Like road, you have worlds, and then you still got racing after it. So it's not... I don't know. I, it, it seems like it's a very an American. I think we've talked about this before. A very American conceit where yeah. your championship is supposed to be at the end, where every other 
country is more progressive where they're like, no, nah, you can have a championship wherever you want. I'm in the middle of the season. But we, I think, I, I feel like it yeah, used just, to be, I, I don't know, were there, were there more races before or afterward? Cause this seems, what, what do we got? Like two more weeks of racing? This is pretty normal. It's usually the entire month yeah. of February fi- finishes right with Usmal at the end of, usually it's like the last weekend. So it's, it's a pretty good chunk. So I, everyone knows that Zach Schuster <laughs> does not like the poster <laughs> races. <laughs> Um, I think I had one person who I talked to who's like hit me up on Instagram. He's like, are you excited about the uh, so stoked? We still got more racing. And I was like, you listen to the pod. You know Zach Schuster's <laughs> opinion on post-world races. But you know what? Come around a little bit. We've got series. I think the series, like if there, if the series didn't exist, we still have stories. We still have a narrative. There's a reason for yes. these races to exist. Like if these series ended the way the World Cup does, then forget it pointless forget about it but you know there's a little bit of excitement i think you know especially this season um on both the men's and the women's side we've just had like you know these good stories with the the season-long series both on the men's side and the the women's side with kind of the the regulars too that's another thing that's nice about it is we get like with the exception of uh femme which you willed into existence her racing we kind of have the uh right the the regular cyclocross racers the the full timers so well, Zach, let me call it the, this is the, the, the subtopper subplots that are sort of finishing out. Okay. All right. In that's, what, that's what we're going with. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, so should we talk yeah. about uh, some racing first and then just how that impacts the, uh, the, the series? We, I mean, we had one of each series here, right? We got Saturday, we had a super prestige race, and then we had the uh, uh, X2O uh, series on sunday so let's uh let's start at nords across in middle kirka so north sea cross this is what i learned from the gcm broadcast right that's what nord north z c sealand that's what okay look it's all coming together you can watch this stuff for like 10 years and it finally i'm picking up words in dutch yeah, Middlekirka was is is the last of the Super Siege races. So this was a series that sort of it's interesting, right? This is the one, this is where our subtopper prime time has sort of reigned supreme in the Super Prestige. Um mostly because Femme and Puck really have not participated that much in these races. So um yeah, I mean she I I don't know. What do you guys think? How'd that race play out? Because I've already actually forgotten because it was so long ago. Wait, was Middlekirka the scene of one of our favorite incidents involving Sweck? Was that the sauce yes. boss? Yes, that's what, yelling. Yes, thank you. That was yes. one of the great one of the great moments of all of the last like four years of the uh, the Lauren Sweck saga. I'm I'm a, I was watching it too, and I was thinking this look. I just I can I can picture. What's his name? Uh, Richard is Richard Petted. Uh, fuck. What's his name? What's the sauce uh, boss? Jurgen Meta Metapegan, right? Yeah, him. That you can picture that squeak coming towards the camera uphill. Jurgen's yelling at him. This was indeed the spot. Um, so thank you, Zach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I for the race, I think you know you had prime time. Obviously, was on racing really well. Uh, and I like so. My question to you guys, like, 
let's say you have a bad world, it's like cough, cough, Yoris, you know, like what level of you want to bounce back? Because no one really gives, no one really cares if you bounce back. You know, if you have a bad world, you're like, ah, I came back and I got you and I didn't like do terrible. To what extent on, you know, what value is there? What, what's the level of if you bounce back from a bad world? It's like, what kind of redemption can you get? I think in like primetime's case, she, it like, she like she's leading the series she didn't do i mean brand sort of was the 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 best of the rest at worlds that was sort of kind of her positional season so i think it is a sort of like hey i had one bad week i still am you know pretty good i'm i'm I'm, you know i'm a i'm a threat to the podium and i'm gonna wrap up this series with a dominant victory so i think in in, at least for her you know i think she's pretty like into that bounce back and like thinks it's something that she should have shot for and got I I think that Alvarado, ever since, and I know I always harp on this, ever since in 2020 going down on that off-camber, like, Hogar Haida is, is, is kind of like her, her bogeyman. Like, she can't, she can't shake. Like, last year she got 10th. I know she wasn't healthy, and then this year didn't have a good year. That year she was looking for the win, slid down the hill. I, th- I think that, you know, having Worlds in Hoger Haida was was the reason why she didn't perform well. It had nothing to do with her. It was purely the venue. So it's her kryptonite? It is. <laughs> it is. She's, okay. she, has to, like she has to solve um, yeah, Hoger Haida. Well, fortunately in her case, too, with the winning the series, you know, I mean, her redemption is bathing in a large vat of money you know she get a bunch of euros and swim in it scrooge mcduck style or whatever so you know for her in that case like pretty decent uh redemption but i I guess in the race i mean the it seemed like lucinda brand was weirdly off i mean she kind of like biffed it in the sand and then she biffed it on the lars vanderhaar the vanderhaar incline that like two-tiered incline or whatever she tried to ride it and biffed it and that was kind of like sprung prime time free so just kind of interesting you know after last week i spent the whole podcast like singing her praises and you know she's so solid or whatever to like pretty costly mistakes in this race that really uh assisted prime time in her endeavor to to win the race can we can we talk about the venue a little bit for middle kirka Th- yeah. this is having seen Rudavorta for the first time this year in person where it is just this field, this like field that probably before Rudavorta existed has sheep, you know, grazing in it and may also have them once the, you know, for the 51 weekends a year that the race isn't there it was basically they went in there with some heavy machinery and uh, built up some stuff and then created a cyclocross course on a con- completely flat plot of land middle kirk is still kind of the same same deal you think looks like a lot of a lot of earth was moved to create to create this one so you guys i know i missed the episode when you guys did this you had cyclocross manager but i i still think there's potential for cyclocross course manager and the game that i'm thinking about is excite bike uh, I don't know if you guys remember Excite Bike, <laughs> but like you could create yeah. these courses, and so there were like little whoops that your little thing would go over. There were bigger whoops, and then there were this the sick jumps, you know. And usually you could make your own course, and you'd be like, forget the little stuff. We're just putting sick jump after sick jump. But to me, I just I couldn't help but think about Excite Bike. You had the fun little whoops, 
And then you had just the large humps of dirt that was, you know, the only thing missing is if they really wanted to go true full excite bike, there should have been one more massive big hump at the end that riders could send it off of. Well, do you, you need one that you climb up of so you, so you get that good, uh, the, the good acceleration coming down so you can really send it, you know, sort of do like almost like a half pipe. Uh, but t- just to clarify, Zach, Cyclocross Manager, one of the levels of that was creating and building the venue right. and the course itself and figuring out that that layout all played it. I think that it. was yeah, the whole that game. Was, that, was, that was a big. Oh, okay. All right. I think yeah, did, there. I don't think there was any like picking teams or like who you starting. It, it was like. But did it, it include like where you could your, just plop in features? Oh like, yeah, did no, they no. Have, and like, it's where oh. you put like, do you put the VIP tent near the near the big humps or near, oh, okay. near the little humps? Oh, and you know, I told you I didn't listen like, to oh, that episode. I'm I'm sorry. Like, like the UCI, the UCI comes back says your course is you know 300 meters too short. But you only have a hundred meters left. What do you do? Option buy pinwheel. You know, it's like you know, two hundred Swiss francs. Boom, pinwheel in. So, so Michael, yeah. I the really the thing that I've been waiting for. You are a resident whoops expert. Give me the run. We had two different kinds of whoops. Give me the whoops report. <laughs> when did I become the whoops expert? Today, you made yourself the whoops expert. You were you were the one breaking it down. You're like these whoops are not valid because there's not grass on them or whatever. Uh, oh, like, yes, okay these, okay. these whoops are made out of wood and are too natural. Like so, I want I hundred percent. I hundred percent believe that the the whoops at North Sea Cross were literally they were playing Cyclocross Manager and they ran out of like funds and they just like hey push those pile of dirt over there kind of kind of in order don't like there was there was like no like transition there it was like it was like went straight down and then like you like like they were so bad and poor ellie could barely ride up them <laughs> like but they have the fast ones they didn't do the camera as much on the fast ones because i just remember lars going through like pumping it and then they turned like they turned right and then they got to like the dirt mounds those aren't even whoops. There's no yeah. flow. It was like, oh, they yeah. got over. Oh, were, well, the, were little, the little ones look like they took one of the big ones and just sort of chopped it into three and then put it like right next to each other. It's essentially like when you were like underage and you wanted a drink, you're like, oh, let's go meet at the rock pile behind the fucking warehouse. Like that's exactly what that feature was. It was like the rock. It was the dirt pile. But like, part of the, behind the lost- abandoned building. Part of the lost opportunity was there was like a legitimate pump track that they could have used too, right? Like kind of like at Nova Mesto, they they left they left the features on the table. Is proper pump track technique using your upper body, using your arms, learning how to do that? Is this you were talking about skills drills and and belly aches? If ever there is a ver, a, a a, a, a second edition is this a skill that now needs to be included in this book for cyclocross yes 100 percent. i i think so yeah and it goes right next to the cyclocross bend section how to put your chain back on <laughs> yeah that, i Updated. mean that's the, the whole it's guess going all over the place the, the, the whole I, I think there is a proper <laughs> technique and form <laughs> For for getting your you know it is that that positioning you know Madam Backer gave us a I don't know if it was necessarily a clinic in how to put your chain back on but we definitely that the the camera operator and the director were fascinated with her technique because they stayed on it I, which race was was that Leela 
Yeah, that was they little, stayed yeah. on her for a full minute trying to get that that chain back on. I threw us completely off course. I I literally derailed us with with that. Uh, so so how about that men's race? <laughs> I mean, another pile of dirt just getting in the way of, of a victory there. I mean, I mean, so this felt like a big big weekend for Lars, right? He was trying to get that win. I guess was his only win this year. No, I'm I'm maybe mistaken, but he won Dutch Nationals. Um, so I don't know. He was, he, was he looking, was he going for the overall in the super prestige? Let's yes. see. Let's check the points. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and he won. That, the that was the whole point. So and he, Jeremy yeah. was actually so, talking about this, you know, basically saying he doesn't have to win this race. However, he would really like to win this race. That that was kind of the whole thing. You know, it's, it's that whole, um, th- that whole, that whole Tour de, tour de France thing, like, you know, you don't want to win the tour and never win a stage. That's basically what he did here. He, he, right. he never won yeah, a race. I mean, it was, it was, it was just consistency. You know, I think his, his worst, worst result was, uh, Degum out of, out of all of them. Right. Yeah, he won. He won a couple of red cross, but obviously that's not in the super prestige. So yeah, it's it, it, it seemed like this weekend he was really gunning for the for the win, uh, taking advantage of the duo not being there, and he was going for it. And he was it was fun. He was riding strong. He was he was kicking butt. And he he had at one point had you know he had had dropped. Ellie was like behind and having to chase, and and at some point uh, you had a great situation where Yoris is like charging. And like finally bridges up to the front group and they go into the sand together where like Lars is riding it so much better. And Yoris finally gets right in front of Ellie and then stuffs it in the sand and Lars gets that gap. And you're like, you love to see team tactics being played against the sauces. And then Yoris blew up. Like that was it, man. Like he got to the front and he like he said it wasn't intentional post race, but like. I mean, it wasn't intentional to stop it, but he was probably intentional to get in front of Ellie. And then and then he was out of there. He was gone. He was like, he went back and he went with Squeak and then he got dropped by Squeak. But that was that was fun to see that part. And then, but Ellie, the tenacious, tenacious guy that he is, caught back up to Lars. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Is it, is it worth mentioning now that uh, fast forward 24 hours and Eurus uh, is in the sand sort of... Uh going along in Ailey right before the beginning of the sand, I think it was like in lap two or three of, uh, of that race, like gets off his bike and sprints in front of, there's a whole line of guys, but just in front of Eurus to get in front of him. Like that was his only goal in that move was to get in front of Eurus. And then, and then, you know, that kind of paid off for him for the rest of the race. But it's kind of funny that he was like, I remember this. Right. That, that's kind of the fun part I, I of, of cross in that sort of these, little decisions you make in the pack and you single out one rider because they, they, they did you wrong the day before, you know, your memory is not, you know, it's, it's long. I don't know. I just enjoy those little vendettas that happen in the racing. Well, and one thing too, I, I guess with the overall is that Ailey actually had won a race, um, but he laid an absolute turd at Zolder that kind of eliminated him from contention so i don't know i mean it's kind of a bummer that was at like that was like his nadir right that was the low point where he was considering bailing on the season but i guess i'm still a little surprised that he did do so well given 
you know, the narrative that we had about Ailey uh, this season, but would have been a much more interesting competition between him and Lars with a little bit higher stakes. Uh, had he not laid a, a, a pretty big turd and only gotten five points at Zolder. Yeah, for sure. We, we, one thing that I found interesting about this race, uh, or sort of about this racing weekend, because we had two significantly different tracks, and I think it's the thing that we all love about cyclocross that you're, you know, the the terrain and the the sort of the challenge changes from day to day. And I think Hel- Helen was Wyman was making a a big point of this with. Lars and Ailey out front on Saturday at Middlekirk that it it was it was sort of a short a short guy's advantage for these races a lot of tight turns and a lot of um, low center of gravity needed and you had Lauren Sweck who was kind of struggling to to stay on and 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 keep with those leaders and actually you know drop back and got third place but really wasn't in the race for the the win versus Sunday where we're going to see a completely different story. I mean, I, I think Helen's great. And I just, I, it, it's funny seeing her do so well broadcasting. Cause I remember there was one race, man, it was back in like 2018. She was injured or something. And she did the women's race at Namur uh, for the UCI broadcast. And it was like a revelation is like, Oh man, <laughs> she's good at this. Uh, but we also like watching her race. Cause she was still uh, an active athlete, but I don't know. I feel like when I when I started racing, I was like, man, I suck. I'm too tall. I can't turn corners. And then like I kept, you know, I got better. I got a mountain bike and I was like, oh, I just I just sucked. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know if I buy into the, the, the low center of gravity as much. But I again, it's it's Helen Wyman and she's one of the best, one of the most knowledgeable people on the face of the planet about cyclocross. So maybe I shouldn't argue otherwise. Well, if anything, that was her theory, and it paid off because <laughs> Haley Haley wins the race, and a Vanderhaar comes in second after. Yeah, I I don't know. Coming out of the sand, it looked like he just had that in hand and and was going to win that thing, but just got it completely wrong on one of those uh, one of those double mounds, as as <laughs> Zach called it, and and that was that was the race. Uh, Anything else worth uh, discussing on this one, or should we move? Oh, yeah. What do you got, Michael? Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, Gerben Kuipers, once again, sort of the revelation that Worlds and late in the season, sort of coming up in the fifth place, almost like well, I thought I was going to get on the podium. Um, and then in the women's race, and she also featured the next day, Laura Vadon shot in fifth place, which I didn't realize that was her highest in a super prestige race. Um, and sort of coming back to like better than Verdon shot zone this year or ever. I thought she said ever. Okay. I, I like, I look, <clears throat> I want Lord Verdon shot to finish fifth through eighth in every single race. Like that is the Verdon shot zone. That was a theory. I love that it exists. And um, I mean, it seems like she's had a lot of ups and downs. And so it's, it's always good uh, to see, that she's racing well. And maybe, you know, we talk about one thing that you can get out of these is maybe building a little momentum going into the off season and kind of like establish uh, a little bit of, I don't know, a solid track record moving forward uh, into next year. Okay. Anything, anything else to add there or now, now should we move over to Sunday's race? The uh, X2O trophy Lila. How do you pronounce the other word? Hammer. For Wadden Cross. 
Sure. Not what does that stand for? Bobby? Yeah. What C is that? What body of water is that? Wait. I got to hang on. I got to read it. Let me read it. Uh, craw- craw- is it a is it a New uh, Orleans thing? Is it like a crawdaddy thing? Um, I don't know. I feel like that's like a. I don't, I don't know what a Croatian cross is. I have no idea. <laughs> Elizabeth, what is it? <laughs> All right. Here, here. Okay, so in this race, let's start with the women's race. Here, this is a this is a a power race like none other, right? I mean, this is a classic course. I I I love this venue. I think this is a great venue. I love Me the too. sand. I, I don't think it's a surprise. I think I'm not alone in my favorite thing ever is watching the camera set up across the lake. That you get just that long yep. shot and you get to see these gaps like open up and close. It just throughout the years, it has been amazing just to see that sh- that tracking shot is just one of my favorite things in in cyclocross. And in in the women's race, we we got a great, uh, I mean, just a great moment in that in that section. Um, but but at the start and with Femme Van Ample, but only because. She missed her pedal at the beginning, like we talked about before, and had to start, I think, eighth, maybe, by the time. She was third row, for sure, out of that first corner, and was sitting between eighth and ten. She was in the Verdun shot zone, basically, at the, at the beginning mm-hmm. of yeah. this race. And it was amazing to watch her fight back it was it, to the point that here's even before we getting into the racing i want to i want to i want to propose a thing uh this, this is i don't i don't know if it's necessarily one of the three things that people will hate but here's my proposal and maybe maybe zach maybe this will get you on board for post worlds racing Speak to me, Bill. This I know <laughs> stuff like this has kind of been proposed in the past, but the, here's what I want to do. After Worlds, reverse staging for all of the races. Every I, I had a feeling that's where you yeah, were going. Yeah, every post-Worlds race, I want reverse staging so I can watch, like, Femme Van Empel just <laughs> steamroll through the field. There was one moment, and this is, this, is, this is another feature I want to start, you know, give Cosmo Catalano uh, clips for his Instagram stories to use where he's doing how the race was won with little cyclocross clips. Um, There's a 180 early in this where everybody in the sand and everybody dismounts and like Femme's not used to being 10th place. So she didn't understand that the decorum is you just all line up and run around the inside together in a, in a line. And you know, nobody is supposed to get out of place. And she just like steps like two steps to the right, to the outside and runs around like six people and slots in like fourth after that, like right at the beginning of the race. And I'm like, this is why you're the world champion. You know, it's not just, yes, she is like stronger than everybody else, but it was just like, screw this. I'm not sitting here in this line. And she just like got out and like ran around everybody and then got back into, into place. And I'm like, that's, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see for all of these races. I want to see the strongest riders have to go through the whole field. Well, and this could be a good opportunity to kind of broach, you know, we're, we're, we're always expanding kind of the realm of what's possible in terms of video broadcasting. You know, we had the cable cam that was cool. Now we have drones, now we have drones following riders 
weaving through trees and stuff. I, I think this is a good opportunity for the onboard cam. I mean, still one of, in my opinion, I think one of the great pieces of cyclocross video production was, uh, no, it was, um, was it Jamie Driscoll passing a million dudes? Still one of my favorite videos. So we could, you know, GoPro up these top riders with a live feed and we could just get like a from the cockpit view of Fem Van Empel making all these passes. I think it's a great opportunity. And like you said, it would add a little spice to these uh, post-worlds, post-worlds races. I like it. And I, I did also like, and this is, you know, you, you talk about decorum and, and, and these, you know, rules, sort of these unwritten rules that have to be followed. Hero Cam was in full effect for Fem Van Empel during that race. It didn't matter how far back she was. They were going to sit and wait for her, and I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, luckily she wasn't uh, too far back in the mix there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Lil is super fun. I called that section, Bill, across the lake, the the sand straight, because that was really one of the big, huge power sections. And um, yeah, you did see at the end of the race where it was like, you know, it was a pretty tight battle. You know, she she eventually caught up to Celine, and then Celine was dogged in, in her, you know, like not, trying to really stay on her wheel and at one point in that lake section the sand straight you just see that Celine just could not close the gap and 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 femme could power away but i was just i was watching that race you know because it's like so many slow sandy turns it's it's a pretty technical course and you know it was interesting to watch Celine and and, and femme attack these turns in these corners and like femme didn't look great like technically like she just didn't she didn't look she wasn't super smooth, a lot of dabbing, a lot, a lot of front wheel kind of going the wrong way. But, you know, she's got that power and she's just a really good rider. So she's sort of like, and then you have Alvarado, who I think is technically a little bit better, but just, you know, still, I think it's like, she's technically better, but she's trying to ride at the level of femme. So then she's actually kind of making some mistakes too, because she's slightly over her head. Um, interesting to watch that play out and to see them go back and forth. Um, but yeah, femme. Just, just looking, looking sharp in the world champs bands, um, and uh, pulling the superwoman, yeah. Superman. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Yeah. At the end and uh, the the celebration. Well, one one thing you know, even even backing up from that and what you're talking about, I think is right. Just her looking a little not super smooth with the dabs. Going back to that beginning of the race, she was downright frantic, and she got stuck. Behind man and backer, who, as we know, isn't letting anybody buy. You know, you got to work. You, you got to earn your pass on a, a backer. And <laughs> Fem was like out of the pedal and slipping and like losing the line and having to ride around people and just could not get backer and just get by backer and just looked. Yeah, I mean, frantic was I think the only way to explain it. It was just interesting to see her out of her comfort zone, which is like riding away from everybody with puck. That, that, that's, that's her natural comfort zone. And seeing her kind of in traffic like that was really, really kind of interesting. I mean, I, I know she had to do it coming back from her injury and working back into it, but at least, you know, for the last couple races, it's been, it's been pretty smooth sailing, but yeah, no, it was, it was just neat to watch her do that. And you're right. I think that she's at a point and it, this just came up through this season where she is so good that she is able to make mistakes and it's not 
and not pay for them. And I think that's what we saw a lot in that race. I think she even said that she didn't touch her bike since Worlds. Like she went to Spain the entire week and then just came back. Um, so well, she yeah. wasn't going to come yeah. back you know, at all until you forced her to, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's pretty happy about that. Um, she's one race closer to the 25k Euro prize purse. Watching watching Femme, I was just thinking about like you just oh, you know so good right like she's gonna win five world championships and I was like man I remember a few years ago us like me specifically saying that about Alvarado and I'm just like what do you guys think like is she gonna stick around is like is if you just had a pick will she win worlds again Femme Van Empel. I mean, yes, but I think that we've talked, I don't know, maybe I've talked about it. it's kind of like a fool's errand to try to predict the future, except for, I guess, Wout and Metsu. We kind of knew they were going to be good, and that ended up being <laughs> the case. But yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I mean, she would be the favorite next year, and she does seem um, to be, like, if you look back, like, Alvarado still had to work, right? Like, she won in a sprint. It wasn't like, right. you know, she wasn't, like, way off yeah. the front like like Femme was this year but consistently all season her and Puck have been head and shoulders above everyone except for Shireen so um but I mean it could be the case that I mean it'll be good you know I think that we saw that Wout and Machu begrudgingly admitted that they're good for each other very I feel like right like the Joker and the Batman like they need each other so maybe Mm -hmm. you know if they do stick around having that that trio of riders who are all going to be pushing each other. So yeah, she might not win it every year, but I think that, you know, there'd be motivation and for the three of them to kind of push each other and get better and continue racing at a super high level. So I would say she'll definitely win again. I mean, I think it's hard to put a number on it though, because right. everything can change. She She's also teammates with a, a woman who set a pretty good um, uh, kind of, framework for how you do this you know mariana voss kind of show up uh, a couple times middle of the season build up in the late and then go and win yourself world championship so i think she has a, a good a good a good path to follow if, if if she wants to go that way i mean i think all our hope is that she's given the opportunity to race more than that and and be a be a factor in this uh throughout the season so michael you you asked the question What's your, what's, what does, what does Boatsterdamus think? Uh, guaranteed three. Like at least three minimum of three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I like, I like what you're saying, Zach. I I do see that this, you know, it could, could be like, it's a wow. And much you think Matthew wins the first one, then wow. Wins three in a row, you know, and then, then Matthew comes back and wins three more, four more in a row. Um, so yeah, I could see Puck getting coming coming to that level, getting one, Shireen winning one. But then like at this level they're at now, Fem seems that she could win it again. Um, you know, and she said I I think I heard they said that she's gonna do a lot, like focus on mountain biking. Like she's gonna do some road, but it seems like that mountain biking is still gonna be a big part of her season. Um, I wasn't sure if she was like immediately gonna sort of like go to the full road program or not. So I don't know. I feel like mountain biking a little more closer to cross maybe you're sort of staying more in that in that style of riding so yeah three minimum three so she's so she's pitters but better oh isn't hmm. she already i mean she's 
in the elite field. Well, but I'm oh. just saying, like doing balancing the okay, road with the mountain and bike, the mountain doing biking. It all. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, if you're being honest, and if we're looking at her vis-a-vis -vis puck at this point, I mean, Vanderpool is the better comp. I mean, she is clearly on a slightly higher level than uh, than Puck is right now. Um, but it, it's actually like a really good comp because you look at like two of the three world championships that Vanderpool lost to Wow was in bad conditions. You know, Wow is a rider who thrives when things get nasty and ugly. And we saw this season that Puck definitely had a an advantage in those conditions. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it is like an apt analogy in, in more ways than one um, because really... Vanderpool had more talent and probably should have won all of the world championships. <laughs> I hope you're right with the mountain biking because I, I think just the the jump that both Puck and Femme made this year versus last year in in cyclocross and just in their performance all around. You know, they Puck's already proven that she's a world class mountain biker i think having both of them in the world cup i'm assuming they would both be racing u23 they're not going to jump up to the elites in that would be uh pretty darn sweet and it'd be it'd be really cool to see what they they could do uh, in some of those those races so i i, I hope that's true I'd, I'd love to see them in the world cup here's here's my one uh uh thing i will say about Femme, and this is not her. This is this is her team. I think a couple of weeks ago, I, I gave credit to uh, the the Yumbo Visma uh, PR team for getting updated headshots of of Femme in kit uh, on on Cyclocross Twenty Four. Right, you know, after that January one team switchover taking some points away that they haven't updated already and sent a new photo with the uh, world champs kit. I think that's 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 poor form. We need we need the headshot of of Femme in the world champs kit on on Cyclocross 24. However, I will say in my can this is this now is this now a segment Bill criticizes the headshots on Cyclocross 24. Uh yes. okay. Uh <laughs> <laughs> B C T H. Okay, I was trying. Yeah, but be be talk. I mean, so Bill, how long? How long until we have Tebow in rainbow stripes? That's going to be coming. Okay, soon, right. Thank you for for the um, for the uh, for the to uh, as as they would say on um, Sports Center. Thanks for grooving one down the middle for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tebow is still in his Telenet kit, Al along with uh, Lucinda. AA drinks, Telenet, not even Balois, not even a, a, a world championship kit. I mean, that is just, like, that's almost, the only thing that's almost as bad as that is that Haverdings is still in his last team's kit. So, Sven Nice Cycling, get on it. Get some new headshots. Get them to Cyclocross 24. That is the global resource for Cyclocross results. That's 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 my big that's my big ding for it. You know, Femme not in the in the World Champs stripes is is bad, but not as bad. I love Trek. I love this team. But come on, guys. You know, this is some tough love here. We gotta we gotta update those uh, headshots. You're telling me Cyclocross 24 is not just doing the photoshopping themselves and putting the little heads. I, I, I think for <laughs> the some bodies. they do. 
However, I can tell you that for teams that I have uh, worked for and shot for headshots, that they have reached out to me to get um, headshots for those teams. So I I have sent them images, which I like. So they're use they're they're getting some some pro level stuff there from other photographers. All right, that was a tangent. Anything else we want to talk about? Uh, you know, Fem wins this sailing. Uh, Really, Alvarado, nice race in, in second. Uh, worst, yeah, 21 seconds off in in third place. Um, I, I think one of the big stories before we get to the men's elite, and I sort of um, tipped my cards on this one, Michael, playing the long game, man. That's uh, that's exactly what I texted to you. But, you know, you, you stuck with him early, and, and it finally paid off. You're talking about Havernings. I'm talking Wait. about Havernings. <laughs> Winning the winning the U23 race. Yes, a broken a broken uh Bodie is uh, is right twice a year. Um yeah, I mean we didn't get to watch it, so who knows how it went down. But ooh, looks like a tight race. He won by two seconds over Emil. Wow, two, three, four, seven, eight seconds. Uh from first to sixth. So must have been a good race. Yeah, it's good to see good to see your pick. Your pick for the future, future champion in there, uh doing well. The other thing that I think you guys you guys mentioned in the green room, or th- were you, I think you almost like let it slip too, is uh, Lauren Molengraf. So our friends at at Cyclocross Twenty Four, we've been uh, we've been talking them up, and they actually, you know, as they do, they went to the archives and they found the stats of um, all the riders, as junior women, to finish in a uh, top five at a super prestige X two O race. I guess we'll turn it into trivia. There's been four. Molengraf is one of them. This one's like this one's pretty easy on the the continuum of. Well, I I, I like Michael's pick, uh, which may have been edited out now, so I'll I'll, I'll give him credit for it. But uh, puck, <laughs> obviously, and I guess I got Shireen Van Anroy, who did the most. She did it twice. Oh. So we have puck, Shireen, Lauren. You're saying there's one more? I think I know. Yes. Yes. Zoe Backstead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Nice. So she was fourth at uh, Havra last season. Oh, I wouldn't have known that, but I felt like that might have been the answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I remember Shireen would have had another one because she had that issue with the double pits at Degum, I think, in 2019. Like she was top four, maybe. She was like top five, and I think she got burned by the the split pits. Like she had a mechanical or something. And was that the one where she was literally just stand? I think that was the one where she was like standing in the pit, like with her like waiting for oh yeah to try to get like a bike change or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. And then we were like, man, that's a bummer. And then she just continued to just rip off two more and turn into like one of the top three cyclocross races in the world. So clearly, uh, that was not a big setback for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this even started. So I, I think going back to how this conversation started, Michael, I think you were talking about you know, if it means anything like post worlds mean these races mean anything. If you didn't have the worlds that you were wanted, does this make up for it? Does this make Lauren Mullengraff super disappointed in that, in that world's race as a junior? Um, coming back here and getting fifth in an elite race any kind of redemption or just not even close i 
Zach's shaking his head no. I think there's a little bit of it, maybe maybe it stings even harder. You're like I I pulled off fifth. I mean, obviously Puck wasn't there in this race, but like here I am fifth, and then I didn't you know at seventh in the juniors race. So yeah, uh, but I think it's like you have a bad race, and you're sort of like you kind of, you just think that your form is gone. Like where are my legs? Like even though it was like mechanical, and like you started doubting yourself and you have self you, you you don't have confidence but then this you know turn it around two weekends or next weekend and and get that fifth place in the elite race i think it helps a little bit it's a little bit of balm for, for the wound you know it it was not a sub topper field that she got fifth place in no no right i mean you, you're right there was no no puck there but that's kind of the only missing. no puck no shireen but i mean yeah. you had I mean, so you, look, I, this is what I said. This I, note I read. If you look at the top four at, at Lil, you have current world champion, ex-world champion, second at Worlds twice, ex-world champion, and then Lauren Mullengraff. And if you go U23, worst also world champion. Right. Yeah. So, right. Exactly, Bill. That was a pretty pretty good field. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it makes up for missing out on an opportunity to be a, a world champion, but I think it definitely shows that she is for real and somebody that we are definitely going to be seeing at the top of these races. And since, you know, there aren't always junior women's races and there aren't separate U23 women's races, we'll probably be seeing or assuming she races cross next year um, in, in that front group and a lot of these elite races. So it'll be fun to, fun to see. Yeah, I mean, like that list is certainly an elite group of riders, the all caps elite, <laughs> you know, and it's one of those where it's like, oh, if you're if you're in that company, then you are pretty good. So and not just pretty good, like you are really, really good. So it'd be like you guys said, it'd be interesting to see how she's able to kind of translate that uh, next year when she's racing against that field um, as a first year U23. Moving over to the men. You know, if we go back to cyclocross manager or cyclocross course builder or whatever it is that we're uh, going to call this, if you had to build a course, if like Lauren Sweat came to you with a million dollars and said, <laughs> build me a course, how different would that course be than, than Lilla? I think, I think it'd be pretty close. Um, I think this is like, I was like, you got to have like a, a smoking section at some point where he <laughs> can pull for over the pre-race and, right before, yeah, right before yeah, the grid. Like that was the one thing. Yeah. He can smoke a cigarette and be like, all right, it's time to race. Um, I, I mean, I feel like they, uh, the, the one thing they could have put in a fake giant sand pit of trucked in sand somewhere near the finish. I mean, I think that it's been well established that Neil is kind of like the course for him, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, the kind of course, and I, I guess I overlooked. I did the, uh, you know, this is typical Zach when I did the, uh, the sand race rankings and our look at, you know, who are the top sand racers. I kind of just forgot about this one, so I apologize. Uh, this should have been included, but I get the feeling that probably Sonicant won this one a bunch of times back when at uh, peak Sonicant. So, yeah, it was the. I just look at the the stretch where he basically won the race in in that it was that sand section into the 
you know, long shot with the sand straight section into uh, little barriers, right? It was like boom, boom, boom. And when you got Lars behind you who can do okay in the sand, but then Sweck is just able to, you know, put in all of the horsepower on that long straight. And and um, I think uh, uh, Powers at one point uh, – said it looked it was like if you ever if you want to know what it looks like at the end of a 20 minute power test just look at Lars right now i mean he's back <laughs> behind him just all over his bike trying to stay on to to Sweck's wheel as he's pulling away and then Lars isn't riding those those uh the the mini planks and and Lawrence is and that's just you know there were too many too many opportunities for him to have an advantage in that race and he kind of played them all right my question for you guys, and this is way, this is pretty meta, but <clears throat> I feel like during our discussion about worlds, we kind of didn't, we didn't really talk about Sweck. And I think this was the year that everyone was like, this is Sweck's year. I said this was Sweck's year. You know, we did for the bulletin, we did a fantasy contest and we had these different groups of riders. And, you know, there was like a bunch of, there was like five or six dudes and 82% of the respondents picked Sweck. Everyone thought that Sweck was going to do the thing. And he was just terrible. I mean, at Worlds, as he is every year, you know, he still has never finished on a podium at Elite Worlds. This year was particularly bad. I mean, he's had some fifth place finishes. Do we just have to accept that Lawrence Sweck not being able to race at Worlds and being Mr. February is just his legacy. Is he okay with that? Is he just kind of accepted that his legacy is one, Mr. February, and two, not going to get on a podium at Worlds? <sighs> Maybe, although I think one thing that, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring back my Alvarado argument a little bit for Sweck at Worlds, okay? Uh, 2019, 13th at Hogerheide. Uh, 2020, there was not a race there. 2020, 21, I think he was, oh no, wait, did I skip the wrong one? He was like ninth. Yeah, he was ninth in uh, 1920, and then 21, 22, he was 10th. And then at Worlds, he was eighth. You're like the spreadsheet guy. What does that what does that mean for he ended up as basically his what's the word for it? His, his mean. mean? That's yeah. yeah, his median. Yeah. That's basically his finish. So you're saying, wow, so your your argument mm. so you're ex- excluding his past <laughs> uh-huh. history yeah. of just yeah. choking yep. at worlds and you're just making a very Hoogerheider specific <laughs> yes. and saying that what is it? Because there's other riders. Like I remember one of the first interviews I did at Cyclocross Magazine. I talked to Katie Compton after she crashed at Hoogerheide, and she's like, "I hate Hoogerheide. Like I always do crappy at Hoogerheide. What is that about this course? I mean, right? There was like Namur is Sonicant's kryptonite. We know that, but like, what about Hoogerheide? It's not. There's nothing. It's not Namur. Like, what about this course? Is just. That writers have a thing about but it. It's also it's 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 with Swack too. It's like what it isn't if you if you look at his strength, he's a power guy. He's right. I mean, that's he's kind of like in the same mold as as Wout and Matthew, just not to their level. So 
it seems like a place that he should succeed, Michael. I think it's just this goes back to the question I asked two or three years ago. Like, like is he elite, right? And and, and the reason is why oh, is yes. because <laughs> I mean, I just think that like he just like this is why you this eternal question is is Sweet Elite is because like he just can't get up for the big game. Like he just like can't he's not a big race player. He doesn't do we talked about mindset at worlds doesn't do it and so like when it's a Fayetteville World Cup and Wow and Matthew are not there like then he then he can go in to the sprint with Ellie and still lose but then he can you know rat, get three victories and he just we're probably projecting a lot on Sweek it's fun to project on him so much him being you know Belgian um but we, he, he gives that attitude of the laissez-faire like he just he's not that serious about it it seems like <laughs> And so, like, it's Worlds. Who cares? What about Lil next week? <laughs> I'm going to kick ass. So did, I mean, so I love it, Mike. I think that, that that's brilliant. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I guess I kind of made the point in Worlds. I was took a dig at, at SWEC, but that crucible of Worlds brings out a certain level of competitor. But do we think that, I mean, you know, hearing what you're saying, was it the four years or whatever with the sauces of just cashing paychecks that kind of ruined his tenacity? I mean, cause that, you know, we talk about, I talked about all season, right? Losing and wanting to win has really formed kind of like who Curtis white is as an athlete. It's really formed. Wow. When he was winning all those races this year, you know, swack just was cashing paychecks. It just seems like maybe there could be an argument that not, having that edge for so long, you're not honing that skill because you're cashing checks. I mean, we talked about like being the year that like he looked like a different man because he was not on that team. So like, I don't like, I just, I just think that like, I mean, I don't know. It's fun to project on him. Like I said earlier, I just think that he, he just can't do the big games. That's not, that's not who he is. Uh, he doesn't do well under pressure, I guess would be sort of my, psycho analyst from the couch opinion but also arguing people under who underperform at worlds is a is a cyclocross tradition the, the most famous <laughs> being arguably the, the best, best cyclocross racer ever sven yes was through his career just lambasted for not winning worlds every year and the fact that he only won twice was like the the you know the the black mark on his record so he was he was the aaron Rodgers before aaron Rodgers. uh to his credit did he i mean to get in a dig at you know, Packers fans, you know, they had 30 years of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I feel like Sven didn't, he didn't race for 30 years. So he's a little bit ahead of the Packers organization. So kudos to him. <laughs> yeah. He, how long did he race? He, uh, oh boy, not even worth looking at at this point. It was a while. I mean, wasn't he close to 40 when he, uh, when he <laughs> retired? I think so. Actually. Yeah. I think you're right. I just had to get that dig in at the at the Packers <laughs> as Aaron Rodgers gets ready to go on his spirit quest to decide if he's going to play another season for him. Sorry, did um did the how many how many times did the Packers win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? Once. Oh, okay. All right. And they run they won once with Favre. So that's two in like thirty years of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. 
I like that. I, I appreciate the insight. Uh, this this swag cycle uh, psychoanalyst. I I may use some of this. I still want to write a story about his season. I've been meaning to write about swag because I know we have so many swag fans, as evidenced by the many people that picked him. But you're welcome. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're definitely on to on to something. Like he just doesn't have that big game gene. I mean, you look at like like Lars does. Right. right? Lars was going the wrong yeah. way, and Lars just always gets up. Whether it's Euros, you know, Dutch Nationals, and especially Worlds, like you're like Lars is going to deliver a good performance for me in those races. In it's like it's and you can't really I I don't know you can't really even fault Sweet for it because like sometimes you just don't have it. Like that's just not your mentality. Sweek's like, sure, I can't get up for Worlds, but I, like I said, I can rip win off at Lil. I can get three wins in the middle. Like I can still provide entertainment. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm fodder. I, I'm that meat. I'm in that grist for the mill at Worlds for a while at Machu. Like I'll be there then. And like you know, we, we peaks and valleys. You know, like you just you need all these role players in this in this season. You know, and and I, so I appreciate. It. So I'm not down on Sweek, but that's just sort of yeah. That's what I think about him and Worlds. Well, I guess for me, I guess what's kind of disappointing is that I was I I got myself swept up in it too. I was like, "Sweck, this is the year he's going to do it." You got like, swept up in it. This is his year. I got swept up in it. <laughs> you know, he won two World Cups. New man. He's clearly happy. He's racing like a new person. He's just been consistent. You know, we talked about with the Stibar metrics. It's his most consistent season, bar none, far and away. You know, if you look at his the variability in his performances, and it was like, all right, all these things are in the past. Those were excuses, and I, I, you know, I kind of think we just to your point, we saw kind of who he is, and maybe that's just what was kind of disappointing, and to see him then bounce back at at Lilla just to be back doing Mister February things, I think is just to me kind of showed the disappointment of kind of like you know he is what he is. And we just might need to accept that. Yes. I want to throw someone at you who may be the opposite of what we've just discussed for the last five minutes here. Take away two exact cross wins early in the season at Polder Cross and Baron Cross. Let's just get rid of those as wins, okay? Talking about Michael Van Toren out. He Thank won you. those races. All right? He's up on my screen. He's up on my screen. I want to talk about him. After that, here are the races he won. Out of the like 40 races that he did this year, you want big game player, okay? These are the wins for him. Namor, European champion, first place. Overisa, first place. Valdesol, first place. Belgian national championship, First place. That's it. And that's it. And then Maldigum <laughs> after that. But that's it. Like the oh my guy God. just shows up for the big races. European champ, Belgian national champ, a couple World Cups. That's it. All the other races doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to him. He's just a big game player. Bill, Michael Van Turnout is big shot Bob. <laughs> okay. There Who's big shot Bob? Robert Ori, <laughs> yes. role player, six man. Yes, uh, but they they called they literally someone referred to him as Big Shot Bob the other day. It was like a broadcaster. That's his nickname, Big Shot Bob. You need a big shot to be hit in the in the NBA Finals. He was your guy. Love it. So I still I think I think Zach you 
you've done this already maybe but i think we need to we need to end of the season sort of like number look at van turnout and Sweek because as bill said he does get up for the big races so like how what can you wait like sort of maybe Sweek has more wins and like what do, like i want to know i want to know opp i want to know wap i want to know like i mean pocketbook maybe this is the the motivation and Sweek's coming alive with a lot more money because he's winning the, World, won the Cup. World Cup. He's right. winning the, the X2O, right? Your support my cash and checks. Exactly. Too. Yeah. He is a he is a working man in cyclocross. He is cashing checks and he's doing pretty damn good he's at it. He's putting in the time. He's just clocking in in the morning, clocking out at night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway. I don't know if we really talked about this men's race. He he looked good. He rode away from from Lars. Lars had a had a <laughs> sad second good. place second place uh, weekend. Um, anything else worth mentioning, Zach? I said I would do media corner. Uh, you know, this was kind of this was a cool race. I mean, as you know, I listened to to GCN, and I think I've said it a million times, but the level of talent that they've gotten on their broadcast team is is just crazy to think back you know a few years ago even when we would listen to the uci broadcast and just be like tearing our hair out and being like bill can you do a live stream just do a live stream bill please save us you know ian field and helen wyman and jeremy powers and marty and i like just the insane level of knowledge um but I talked about this on the uh, the recent Nowhere Fast is, you know, like a, a broadcast team, a, a podcast team. It's it's a team, right? Like you all have your roles. Uh, but sometimes someone goes down and you have to step into new roles. And Marty was gone. And Jay Powers stepped into kind of like the lead broadcasting role. So he was the kind of play-by-play guy and, and Helen was there, um, which I thought was great. It was awesome to have, you know, two great people offering, offering anal- analysts. But I, li- I appreciated this. Um, from Helen, it was very Midwest of her. Uh, you know, so we talk a lot about like spoilers and just the thing that still just blows, you know, a thing I don't understand as someone who's watched sports my entire life. Like, you know, if you, if you don't want spoilers, you have to put your head down and not, not pay attention. It's obviously much harder to do. Uh, but so second day she asked Jeremy, like, Jeremy, can I, can I talk about yesterday's race? Jeremy kind of, he kind of thinks about it for a second. <laughs> He's like, I'll allow it. You could talk about <laughs> you could talk about yesterday's race. It, it already happened, and you know I think Helen then you know she she didn't give away the game, but you know I think it was talking about Alvarado and she's like oh yeah she she raced pretty well you know did, did pretty well yesterday uh, or whatever. Um, but I thought it was really funny, and I think you know I brought this up to Bill, and I think Bill established a good rule that there's uh, midnight after midnight. The spoiler thing doesn't apply, so they do a great job to their credit. They understand that a lot of us like me are going to watch the race later. We might watch them out of order. So they do a great job of not spoiling the women's race during the men's race of these broadcasts. Um, but I, I appreciate that. Like the race happened on Saturday. I get that some of you watch them on like Tuesday or whatever, but you know, it's like you're, you're playing game game two of, of the NBA finals. And they're like, no spoilers, no spoilers <laughs> about what happened last game. I wouldn't want to spoil to let you know who's up one, nothing or anything. You just have to guess no spoilers. Uh, so I appreciate that Bill came up with the the twenty four the the midnight rule. Yeah, it's 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 almost like the overcorrecting. It's like the always, 
using I because somehow we're not supposed to use me anymore under any circumstances because that's bad grammar. Uh, that's kind of the thing. It's like knowing there's a rule there, but not knowing exactly how to apply it. You know, and 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 you hit the nail on the head. It's like. Look, North America, these races are on really early. And a lot of times, if you're waking up on the weekend, you're watching the men's race first. And then you want to go back and watch watch the women's race. And and uh, I think, as you said, they do a really good job. And they don't, they always talk about, look, we're not going to spoil. We're not going to talk about what happened in the women's race because you can just go watch the replay. And that's that's awesome. But it was almost comical the, the way that, that powers throughout the, the – uh, the broadcast really wanted to talk about Alvarado and her performance, and he just kept saying, I'm not going to spoil it, but she had a really good day yesterday. She <laughs> did really well yesterday. Yesterday was really impressive for Alvarado. I'm an idiot, but I'm kind of like connecting the dots saying, Jeremy, I think you're saying she may have won. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Just say it. It's okay. Yeah. I think that if, if you don't want to know what happened the day before, then you, that, that is on you. That is, that is something that you just have to make sure that whenever in the future you're going to watch these races, you need to do them sequentially and then, and then you won't have that problem. But yeah. Yeah. I just imagine like during curse period, it's like, you know, low and how like no spoilers, no spoilers about Zolder or Degum, you know, don't want to spoil anything that happened in those races. Uh, so we're not going to, you know, I do, I do, I do love Wout Machu raced pretty well. Those were some pretty good races, but we don't want to spoil the outcome. I do want to find the person in Zach's scenario, the maniac who's watching game three of the NBA finals and doesn't want game one spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they like put up tape over the the cryon yep, that yep. covers up where they tell you what the you know what the series is at. Is amazing. They're like oh, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> Look, man, spoil one time we had to create a whole new Facebook group uh, for my club because someone could not handle the spoilers. So I went off and made a new spoil fantastic Facebook group where we chatted about all the bike races. But yeah, yeah. Are we still in media corner? Yeah. Okay. Why not? We're always. It's always media. Okay, it's good. Media pit. Media pit, All right. Though. So uh, I get, go, going back to to Jeremy, who I'm I'm glad is still doing the broadcast. I love I love listening to him. But at, at one point, he he used uh, I think it was yeah I think it was during the men's race. I forget who he was talking about. He's but he said uh, I think it was Vanderhaar. He said Vanderhaar is not following the script. That was that was that was the phrase that he used. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, Powers, let it slip that just like the NFL, <laughs> cyclocross is also scripted." I mean, we we sit here and talk about it. We we just spend a whole half. We're the dopes that just spend 25 minutes talking about Lauren Sweck. We've played right into Cyclocross's hands. This is all scripted. The, the outcome's known. We, like, they already knew who was going to win Worlds weeks, months before. I, right. I mean, well, they gave it, they gave the race to his father. His father designed the course. Like, that. how do we not see that beforehand? I, but then they, but then they downplayed it in true, you know, 
I think super rookie Tim would appreciate this as the resident uh, wide angle podium wrestling guy. You know, they downplayed it. While it's like, you know, he played his part. He's like, nah, he wouldn't he wouldn't do anything that helps Mechu. And Audrey's like, well, I would do anything to, you know, I would make it as hard as possible for Mechu to win. I, you know, it was like very, this, the script was done. Oh, perfectly. And, and thankfully they didn't overcorrect like the NFL where people were like, we're on to us. We got to put this shitty holding call at the end of our uh, game and just take all of the actual drama out of it. You know, it just, so people don't think it is actually scripted. And I'm sure the players were not happy about that, but you know, that's sometimes you got to do it to keep it, uh, to try to keep up the up the fiction so since cyclocross is scripted since we now since jeremy let this slip and we now know that that the sport is scripted my my question for you all is looking at next season what what is one kind of point in there that you would like to see what is if you wanted to write a spec script for cyclocross for next season what would it include I will say that you posed this question and um, I think I was struggling. I'm glad you were making only one because I think you're, it was very open-ended the way you posed it. I was like, man, the script of a whole season. I will say a script scope, like this was a pretty phenomenal season of just like giving fodder to talk about, about, you know, the rope adobes, Vanderpool looking like crap all through curse period. And then just coming back is like back on form, you know, uh, femme kind of get crashing you know being the favorite crashing not being so very good getting her shit rocked by puck at dutch national lots of stuff to talk about you know swack so we'll say that this was a pretty phenomenal cyclocross season and you know whoever wrote the script for this season better be asking for a huge raise one because they deserve it but two to top this season man next season is going to have to be lit well, yeah. So I, I think I think the script writers. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to see. You know, I'd love to see a strong boss go against Femme. I'd love to see PFP maybe come back strong and cross. I want to see a race where the top five women are all former world champions. But I think we need to sort of bring. I think there needs to be more, like. Natural element to these these races. I think we you know, had snow and Val de Soleil, and um, you know, remember the year that um, the wind blew down the course at uh, at Cokesida, and Matthew had to ride home with a tailwind for 150 miles. Um, I want to see a race where it's it's a the wind. The wind is back, and but they're still having Kobenberg. Like Kobenberg is happening, but then all of a sudden a huge windstorm comes, and it's. It's Lars and Ellie again going up the Kuppenberg on the last lap. And and all of a sudden, here comes a giant duck blow, rolling down the Kuppenberg at Ellie and Lars. And it's it's sort of like the reverse to Indiana and the Jones, where like they're not running away from him, they're riding at it. And it's like, who can get past? The duck is like the size of the, like that the Copenberg the road. So like, which one of those little short kings across can squeeze past the duck and take the win? That's that's the story I want to see. Is this the Hunger Games? Is there a guy like pressing buttons? He's like, give me a win. Give know. me a duck. I've never seen Hunger Games. I, oh, maybe Squid Games. <laughs> Cyclocross Squid Games. 
this is like the running man. Okay. Um, oh, I like that. I like that. Here's, <laughs> I don't know if I can follow that up because mine were a little more. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Yeah, your prompt, I kind of like. No, yeah, I, I love like... it. I thank you. That that was not what I was expecting, which was perfect. Good script writing. You know, you didn't, uh, there was, there, there you didn't have to save a cat and there was no Chekhov's gun. None, none of this, you know, Chekhov's duck maybe. Uh, so here, here were the two things. And it was just, it was mainly personnel, which I was looking at and, and redemption story. So if, if I was writing a script for next season, part of it would be the return of Blanca Vosh. That would be, that would be my script. Blanca Vosh would be up there with the, with, with the, the big three. And, you know, we all know the big three, Puck and Femme and Shireen, uh, the new big three. Uh, and she would she would be in there and and right up there and back loving cyclocross again. Uh, I I think in the off season she entered herself in a few five Ks, uh, <laughs> learned to love the run. That was kind of the 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 theme to her off season. It came back and was just crushing cyclocross because I think it was. Did uh, she brush up on her theorems as well? Possibly took some geometry classes <laughs> as well. <laughs> Big chalkboard, lots of thread. Uh, yeah. And, and kind of in the same vein here, I'm hoping that I don't know necessarily if road racing is also scripted, but I want to see Pidcock continue on his rise from last year and just absolutely destroy the road season and and come into cyclocross as a true, a true contender for the crown and be able to even even to the point that like he's coming out of road season so hot that when Vanderpool and Wout finally jump into cross they can't even touch him like he's out there 10 20 seconds ahead of them and it's just like game over and then it's the the goal is if they're going to be able to fight back and and beat Pidcock by the time Worlds comes around I like it I like I like I like I like the story. Yeah, I guess I was going on a similar route. I mean, we talked a lot about this year. We had the great, great arc of is Ailey Ezerbeat back? And, you know, I think it's been one of the teases. Like, is this the year uh, that Ailey is not Mr. October and November, but he actually takes it deep into the season. Uh, I know that the logistics of this story arc are really hard to do because there is a big gap <clears throat> between him and uh, Wout Machu. But I, I mean, I would love to see I would love to see Ailey competing for a win at the World Championships. That would be in my script that Ailey just kind of like blows off the beginning of the season. He's like, I'm going to try something completely different. Just you know, does starts late goes toe to toe with those guys and comes in hot uh, at worlds and maybe doesn't win, but you know, gives those two a run for the money and makes it this, the, the triumvirate that we didn't expect thus negating uh, the script that bill just described. I want to hear what you all think. I want your scripts. I want you to be able to, to submit your scripts. You can send them to feedback at cxairs.com. You can leave us a, a voicemail on the helpline, which is uh, in, in the show notes. Um, if you're a CX Hairs bulletin subscriber, you can uh, leave your script notes in the in the Slack channel, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious, you know, since we now know that cyclocross is scripted much like the NFL, I want to know what your, what, what your spec script is for next season. 
Did we do it? I think so. All right. See you all next time. Wow. What an episode. That sounds like me. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.